Welcome to Mythsterhood of the Traveling Tales. Join us as we roar the heavens and swim the seas in search of the spectacular and magical. Like the Hydra of Greek lore, our fangs can raise the dead, bringing lost skeletons back to life for an episode or two. But unlike our three-headed friend, we're not guarding the door to the underworld. No, we're blasting it wide open and inviting you to come explore with us. Hello, hello, misters, and welcome to episode 28 of Misterhood of Travelling Tales. With me today is Annika. Welcome back, Annika. It's really great to see you feeling a bit better, um, because you've been quite ill, haven't you? Hi, Jazz, and hello, misters. It's so good to be back. Yeah, I've been down with a little bit of something going around yeah and it has kept me down for a while and i'm just now starting to really get out of it so i may sound a bit funky yeah i'm going to add to that disclaimer with a preemptive apology for any possible puppy intrusions as we had in our last episode she's asleep right now but um (laughs) She's got she's got one of those quick chargers in her, like like the one my phone has. So it might take her only a few <laughs> minutes to get to be back at full power. And then, as a second disclaimer, any minute now, I'm going to see Noah's Ark floating by my window. It is pouring rain over here in Belgium, and it might create some extra noise on the recording. I will do my best to clean it up, but can make no guarantees. I hope it's not going to be too bad. But. Let's get to business and let's get to our regular disclaimer that we have every single episode. As usual, we thoroughly apologize for any butchering of the pronunciations of any names or words that we come across. It is per standard, basically, what always happens, much to our dismay, and we do try. We really do try. And if anyone knows how to really... properly pronounce the words please please let us know either on discord or through twitter you can even shoot us an email and we'd be very happy to hear from you absolutely so today as the last bit of dragons on our menu (sighs) so sad (laughs) um but we've got dragons and serpent myths from the african diaspora um to discuss and i sort of feel like These serpents deserved their own episode because while these traditions have their roots in the African continent, they developed as people were kidnapped, sold into slavery and taken halfway across the world. To hang on to their traditions and beliefs, they often had to hide them beneath a veneer of other religious traditions. The ones I know of so far have syncretized with Christian traditions such as Catholicism, but I was very much interested to see what else I'd find. Uh, This didn't happen out of a natural cross-pollination and blending of cultures, as we've seen elsewhere in the world either. This is because the people's lives and choices were really not their own. Right. So first I thought, okay, we can include that in South America. But African people lived as slaves in the US as well. So what do we do then? (laughs) Right. So an episode dedicated to just African diaspora does make sense. You can't compare it with the cross-pollination and similarities we've seen elsewhere. 
those blendings of culture, lore, and stories happened gradually. The people taken away from Africa were taken en masse and in a relatively short time span at that. And while controlled, they mostly lived and interacted in communities of others like them. Exactly. So a few things to remember. Not all of the religious traditions that developed from this atrocious part of world history are equally present online, and so the research was a bit tricky sometimes, but we did try our best. If anyone knows more about this topic and would like to share, we would very much welcome the discussion. As Annika already mentioned, you can find us on our Discord server, on Twitter, or you can just shoot us an email. Indeed, I will include all of those links in the show notes, of course. Righto then, let's get down to business. Now, I could probably geek out on how these traditions evolved and developed for days on end. (laughs) Actually, I kind of did. (laughs) But for this episode, let's stick to the serpents, because otherwise there will be episodes for more days. And yeah, as much as I'd like that, I don't think we have the brain power for it yet. Um. It's a really fascinating topic, but caution is advised. Here be very, very deep rabbit holes. These religions developed in most part in the Caribbean, Latin America, and the southern part of the United States. But whether that will define how we organize them is... mm, I don't know what will work best. I guess we'll have to see as we go. Oh yeah, and honestly, it can't be more chaotic and all over the place than our previous two episodes were anyway. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that. (laughs) I was just having so much fun with the research and the notes, but I really had a hard time figuring out a red thread in there. (laughs) There's no worries. It was an adventure all on its own. Like, well, every dragon adventure we've gone on. Yeah, yeah, I still can't believe we're at episode 28 already. Um, oh, yeah. Hmm, yeah. yeah. So, the diaspora religions. Um, the ones I already knew about through my own research in my journey as a pagan are just the tip of the iceberg and possibly the most prevalent. I mean, I suspect so at least. I'm not going to state that definitively though, um, because the most prevalent is not the same as the easiest to find. But anyway, I'd already come across stories and traditions out of Candomblé, Vodou and Santeria. And let me tell you, the stuff you see in the movies, that ain't it. (laughs) I didn't even have to know about these traditions to know that much. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Go, Hollywood, go! (laughs) Okay, so Candimbole. It developed in Brazil in the 19th century, blending together religious traditions out of West Africa with elements of Catholicism. It has no central authority, but instead you just have these autonomous groups of practitioners. The enslaved Central and Western Africans were mostly of the Yoruba people, Fon and the Bantu, The Catholic elements were adopted from Portuguese colonists in control of the area. Like Christianity, there's different nations, which is like Christian denominations. These are based on which African tradition has been the primary influence for a particular group. The most prominent are Ketu, uh, practiced in Brazil, Argentina and Uruguay. It's named after the Ketu region in Benin, 
home to Yoruba-speaking people, and it blends Yoruba lore with Catholicism and indigenous American traditions. Jeje developed among the Fon and Iwe slaves in the Portuguese colonies. Their religious roots lie in the Dahomey Kingdom. And then there's Kandambole Bantu, or Angola. This was originally practiced by Congo and Mundu slaves. But what's amazing to me is that in the late 20th century, you're now seeing practitioners who steer more towards their African roots and are trying to remove the Catholic influence their ancestors were forced to adopt. And they're trying to experience a form of candomblé much closer to the original West African traditions. While we already have three groups, each grown from people with different native languages, it only makes sense that the names and terms will vary depending on the Kondombole nation. But the basic principles remain. The tradition is founded on the worship of spirits, known as Orisas or Orishas. But for example, the Jejea tradition refers to them as Vodins. While their name stems from traditional African deities, they're sort of amalgamated each with a Roman Catholic saint. These Orishas are subject to a creator, Olu Dumare. During rituals, practitioners sing, drum, and dance to hopefully encourage an Orisha to possess one of the members of the group, so the others can then interact and communicate with the Orisha. The Orishas function as a go-between for the humans and the supreme god of creation, Olodumare, because keeping all of creation under control has got to be taxing sometimes. But of course, we want to know about the serpents. Oksumare is, depending on the tradition at least, male for part of the year and female for the other part of the year. But in some traditions, they spend half the year with a female top and male bottom, and then the other half of the year vice versa. They're portrayed as either serpent or rainbow, which is one trait we of course remember from our trip around Africa. The serpents there have a strong connection to rainbows as well. This rainbow serpent is all about activity and mobility, controlling the forces that direct movement, and they are the patron of all elongated things. Hmm, that makes sense, and snakes are elongated things themselves. <laughs> Fair point. But another elongated thing of special significance to Oksumare is the umbilical cord, which gets buried together with the placenta under a palm tree. The tree becomes the property of the newborn and their health is directly connected to that of the tree, depending on it and Oksumare. That is so cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. And then we encounter another name that has a familiar sound to it. Two names, actually. <laughs> the one I remembered best, also because of the artwork I did for one of our African episodes, was Ayerewedo. Practitioners of Haitian Voodoo worship both her and her husband Dambala, or Dambala. As a matter of fact, Dambala is one of the most important Loa, the name by which spirits are referred to in both Haitian Voodoo and Louisiana Voodoo, another religion most of us will likely know from movies that got it so wrong their version isn't even in the same universe. He is depicted as a large white serpent and also referred to as the Skyfather and the first thing created by Grand Metz or Grand Maitre, which is like the Voodoo equivalent of God. 
Dambala himself is syncretized with either St. Patrick or Moses. So the serpent theme continues even in the Catholic veneer that hid the religious traditions slaves were clinging to. In one version of the creation myth, Dambala himself is the primordial creator. He made the entire cosmos. He formed the stars and the planets in the sky and shaped the earth with his 7,000 coils. That is one long snake. Epic, even. (laughs) Totally. In the other, he is, as already mentioned, created by Granmet. And then the rest of creation flows through him. He sheds his skin and thus creates the waters on earth. He's a patient and benevolent Loa, wise and kind, but a bit distant from the roller coaster that the lives of his worshippers sometimes undergo. One thing Fodu has in common with Kanomle is that the spirits people worship are welcomed to possess people taking part in religious rites. And when a sauveteur is possessed by him, they writhe on the floor, serpent style. People lay down a white sheet for him and wave another over him to offer some coolness. Like many other Loa, Danbala has different aspects that rise to the surface at different occasions. In some of the stories, Aida Wedo is not his spouse but his sister, and in some others, she is one of his many aspects rather than than a completely separate entity. And offerings to him can include white foods and flowers, so milk, rice, coconut, orgiate syrup, and something called lotion pompeia, which is kind of a perfume apparently. But according to Wikipedia, his favorite is a white uncooked egg on a mound of white flour. So he likes deconstructed cake? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Maybe he likes baking. <laughs> uh, the baking thing is... It has to have come from somewhere, I'm sure. Especially <laughs> the <laughs> the baking fever that has swept over the world now. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm literally not, not allowed to bake right now. <laughs> but anyway... Sorry, we were, we were talking about uh, <laughs> Dunbala. <laughs> no, were we talking about yeah, Dunbala? Dunbala, no. not cakes. Yeah. No, it's not cake. Yes. Uh, Dunbala. It is Dunbala. <laughs> anyway, here's a fun fact. Movie lovers might also recognize his name from the Child's Play franchise, where it appears in the voodoo incantation Chucky uses to relocate his soul into the doll. While imaginative... This doesn't actually fit into his calm and benevolent persona. That is fair. (laughs) But I mean, we already did establish that Hollywood basically never gets it right. Also fair. Okay, so let's move on to Aida Wedo herself. Is she still the rainbow serpent in her voodoo and voodoo incarnation? Uh, Yep. She's a law of fertility, rainbows, wind, water, fire and snakes. She shares Dambala with another Loa, Erzuli Frida. But I found no serpent connection there, so let's not get sidetracked here. <laughs> yeah, there's already too much danger of that as it is. Um, so other than the <laughs> rainbow, she has another symbol, which is a white pake congo. This is a religious object made by voodoo priests and priestesses, also known as hungans and mambos, during ceremonies. 
They're basically a packet of magical ingredients, some herbs, um, a bit of soil, other vegetable matter, which is wrapped in fabric and decorated with materials such as ribbons and sequins or feathers. And she, much like the hubby, is partial to all things white when it comes to offerings. White chickens, white eggs, rice and milk. She's got a strong affinity with the cotton plant. And, as we already mentioned, when we originally discovered her among the fun people in our Africa episodes, she is syncretized with the Catholic Our Lady of Immaculate Conception. And then there's Simbi. As far as I can tell, because accounts vary, and that no longer even surprises us at this point, <laughs> the Simbi are like a separate group or category of Loa venerated in the Haitian Havodu and the Hoodoo practiced in the southern parts of the US. They're depicted as serpents of the rivers, springs, and marshes. Where Danbala and Aida Wedo are mostly viewed as benevolent spirits, the Simmi are... well, let's just say they want butter with their fish. They want what? Oh, um, that's a Flemish thing, I guess. Um... Proverb, colloquialism, it means nothing is ever for free. Wanting butter with your fish is like saying you expect to be paid for your troubles. Ah, that is a very interesting thing. <laughs> so, from what we could find, these Loa are not the most trustworthy you'll come across. They're known to have abducted people, either their followers or someone random that strikes their fancy. Abductees are brought to the underground dens of the Simbi, supposedly very luxurious dens. And while they usually do get set free after 121 days, with the secret knowledge on how to be a Mambo or Hogan, but during your time in the other world, you're expected to earn your keep. Those who do nothing of all they're asked are sent back sooner, but without their Christmas bonus. <laughs> Conclusion they might be willing to strike a bargain, but always read the fine print and be sure you're willing and able to keep up with your end of the deal. And if all else fails and you get abducted, just be the most contrary person you can and they'll hopefully get tired of you that much sooner. Hopefully. Hmm. In other words, act like a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Many of these Simbi possess a more sinister shade of magic and have a strong affinity with poisons. They're thought of as male and are associated with fire as well as water. And strangely, they're often depicted together with Mamiwata. Now, Mamiwata has the body of a mermaid, but she carries serpents draped around her neck. And those would be the Simbi. Ooh. Some Simbi I found mentioned more than once is the Simbi Dlo. And like others, the name carries the heritage of slaves owned by French colonists. Dlo etymologically stems from the law of the water. So he is the lower of fresh water. Simbi Andeso, Andeso in two waters, is the spirit of rainfall and fresh water, and he wards against evil magic. The close affinity with water shows in some aspects of the rituals as well. A pool of water is always nearby. When a practitioner gets possessed by a simbi and writhes in pain, he's lowered into the pool to ease that pain. 
One Wikipedia article mentioned the veneration of Simbi in the Afro-Cuban Palo religious tradition. Here, the Simbi are called Nkitas, and they're gods of nature, from lakes to forests and mountains. Sadly, though, Palo seems one of those religions that's a lot harder to track down, and beyond the Wikipedia article itself, I couldn't find much of anything on Palo, and certainly no reference to Simbi Nkitas or the worship of other serpents. That is... That is such a shame, actually, yeah. to lose such information. That sounds really fascinating. Um, I would have loved, as well, to find more about Palo. Um, what I did find um, is just, like, just enough to tickle your curious bones. Um, and the same goes for Santeria. I did find more about Santeria, but not so much about... Uh, dragons or serpents or mythology within that tradition but i more like the different denominations and like tracing it back to its roots but again not much in the way of serpents um and i feel like a lot of it is well maybe not lost because obviously practitioners of those religions are going to still like keep that alive but i wish i could find out more about it but unless i can track down some practitioners i think chances of that are slim right now yeah but if if any of our listeners happen to know a practitioner or are one themselves mm. we really would love to make contact so we can find out more about this yeah we always are keen to learn more about any of the traditions we've discussed so again um i will include links in the show notes to our discord twitter and email and even if you're not a practitioner and you just want to talk shop and talk dragons, come and find us. Yes, do, do find us. And that brings us to the end of our last episode. Yeah, well, the last episode of season one. Let's add yes. that. Um, <laughs> there will be more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to have one more episode to tie off the season. Um, it's going to be the three of us discussing what we've learned, um, surprises we came across, things we wished we'd learned more about or found more about, and so forth. We will also be including um, the poem that all of the members of our Discord server collaborated on, and we will also be including um, the winners of the giveaway. Oh, yes. <laughs> because we can't forget that. Um no. So stay tuned for one more episode of season one, even if it's not an official episode. Um, and then we're going to take a couple of months break, prepare for season two and be sure to stay tuned because there's more awesome mythology coming your way. Until then, Mythsters, we wish you all days like dragons greeting clouds. Later, Mythsters. What? Or Oraxas? Or, or I think Oryxas? Yeah, I thought Oryxas. I don't. Is is the X more like a sh sound in Portuguese? Hmm. Can we Google no that? Idea. <laughs> How to pronounce the X in Portuguese? <laughs> Oh god, I think she farted. <laughs> I don't know where she no. is, but 
she can she can like sometimes I think oh she pooped in the house because it smells that bad, and I will just go looking and there's nothing there and it's just she's just rotten on the inside I swear. <laughs> Puppy farts are the worst. They <laughs> <laughs> really are. Oh God, <clears throat> slightly <laughs> sickening. 